Hi, thanks for tuning in. This is Druggist for the People. This podcast will contain my feelings and opinions and uh, stories from from my practice in pharmacy, but none of this should be taken as just hardcore fact. This is more about stimulating questions that you can then take to your pharmacist and your doctor and your healthcare team uh, to help you better understand and participate in your care. And once again, just a little reminder, if you're looking for medical advice, diagnosis, treatment, you won't find it here. You need to use your healthcare professional for that. Today, the people is Carol. Welcome, Carol. Hi, thanks for having me back. Yes, my pleasure. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I wanted to ask you something, uh, and it's this. Have you ever heard of a mood stabilizer? Um, I have heard you use the term, and what springs to mind is a giant keyboard with lots of dials and slides and, like, feeling happy, feeling sad, <laughs> irritated, really pissed off, but I don't think that's what it is. No, I don't, is there some kind of, was there a Moog or something? What's the <laughs> – some electronic uh, uh, instrument. No, that's not it. <laughs> I, was gonna, I was thinking you was gonna, were going to make some comment about it. A beverage or something, but that's not. Oh it. well, that's, that's not what we're talking mood about. Elevator mood elevator sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> um, no, it's a it's a class of drugs that's used in um, bipolar patients to try and oh treat either mania. Um, so mania is when the too high, and then the depression is too low. So it's a stabilizer to get somewhere in the middle. Well, that's super useful. It is. It just seems weird to me that a mood stabilizer, you know, they called antipsychotics, they were, you know, referring to those as uh, neuroleptics. And a mood stabilizer, I don't know, it's, it sounds like an appetizer or something. It doesn't <laughs> seem like it's, it's too, it's, it's very not casual. Te- technical enough, maybe sounding. No. So a mood stabilizer, maybe we could, how about we call it a neuro down regulator? It's it is and that's what it does. So it's mm-hmm. it blocks this excessive stimulation that you can get. Uh, huh. And two of them, a couple a couple of them started out as anticonvulsants. So there again, you lower this threshold for a seizure by blocking some of this uh, nerve activity. That's helpful. Yeah, yeah, I think so. So before we get into it, mm-hmm. there's a couple of things that we sort of have discussed as something we just do, and it's a focus of, of why we're here, and it's about wanting to apply a recommended course of therapy then comply with and with someone's orders with a you know with with a with just something that you've got to do a physician's orders yeah mm-hmm. a healthcare professional mm-hmm. and so um it it's always um relevant but like if a person has high blood pressure or a heart problem or an infection or a skin issue um there's a condition that's observable and you treat it. And so there's, there's, there's like this physical, re, you know, result that you get from the medication. And in these cases, like with, with some of the psych uh, meds, in this case, bipolar disorder and mania in particular, the, um, it's, it's so subjective. So you can't, nece- the, out, the outside person would not maybe necessarily be able to tell. They people close to them would probably know, mm-hmm. and other people may know, but it's a it's an experience, you know, for the person being treated mm-hmm. and who's been di- diagnosed with that illness, right? Um, but it's to me applying um, 
this uh, this agreed upon course of therapy, it it would seem like that's going to be even more difficult. So it's I bring it up because with this group of meds, like adhering to the prescribed regimen, which you need to do mm-hmm. if, if it's been agreed upon that this is an issue, mm-hmm. um, can really be the non adherence can be really high, like. Um, 50%, like a high percentage of people I see, decide. It's subjective. It is subjective. And frankly, mm-hmm. when they're, a person's manic, they're, they're grand, they may be grandiose. They may have the, um, there's some euphoric experiences with it. They oh. might feel really. So, so they might not want They have to, to recognize, a person would have to recognize that this is not good for my, I see. what is it? They take higher risk. I see. I have may, a quick question, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is there a, a time frame? That would make sense. Like, you know, um, when you have a headache, you might take something and within a few hours you feel better. But some medications I know don't work like that. Like you have to take them for a while to see any effect. Is this is this type of medication like that? Yeah, it can't. It, it absolutely can be. It's um, so lithium, carbamazepine, divalproic, and lamotrigine are these um, mood stabilizers, and you do need to get into a therapeutic level. And the thing is, um, to be diagnosed with a bipolar, and I'm not gonna I'm not an expert in this at mm-hmm. all. So this is what, what healthcare professionals do. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's like the number of depressive episodes and manic episodes determines where they fall in, into a site classification. Mm-hmm. And so what I what I get at, getting at there is like you don't know how like when they're going to have a manic episode or a depressive episode so you have this this history but when you say you know you get some to a point where you have an effect well i suppose if you a, a good piece of time goes by and they don't the patient the person doesn't have uh, excuse me I, I say patient and that sort of seems like it puts a barrier up somehow but if the person doesn't experience this too too high and too low then that's a positive effect. But even that, you see, is like, well, I I would suppose that the mood stabilizer is having a positive effect. But you have to constantly monitor this. And the, the healthcare professional, the psych person needs to be in contact with the person. So it's a it really, really relies a lot, seems to me, on participation. Sure. And the, I the, of of the person being treated and the healthcare professional. So and when you say, I'm just, for me, non-medical person, therapeutic level, can you define that for me? I can. Um, like with lithium, which is a salt, lithium carbonate, and it's the old one. It's been around for a long time for treating mania. And um, it's, you know, it stabilizes this, this the, the situation. So you get this decreased firing. But... A level does not always correlate exactly with the clinical effect that you see. Like, is it having a positive effect? Yes. Are we not seeing toxicity? We're not. So that would be a positive. But if you took a blood level, it may be low therapeutic, subtherapeutic. It might be a little high. What you want to do is generally that, like with that one, um, I think it's 1.5 milliequivalents per liter. I think that's the where you have to start looking for toxicities, and that's. There's tremor and, and, and a number of things. We'll talk about that. Okay, so wait, blood levels wait, don't wait. Yeah, 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 okay. So you're talking about negative effects of taking that drug, the 
I'm talking about your your question was, does a blood level have to be achieved to to see the effects? Right? Is that not it? No, you. I just ask define therapeutic level for me. Okay. Well, a therapeutic level I'm, is whatever's working as long as it doesn't is not exceeding this oh, okay. maximum that's produ- producing toxicity. Okay. So. Yep. Sorry. Uh, I, I'm sorry. No, I went roundabout. <laughs> okay. I dove in deep and forgot where I was at, I okay. guess. So, and one more thing. You said you used the word firing, and then you didn't talk about firing of what? Could you? The, neuro- the neurons. The, okay. The, yeah. Okay. This is how it's, ha- it's stabilizing that effect so that you have this stability that's introduced because you have over-excitation of the nerves. So it's that's what we're getting. In general, from this group of drugs, each one behaves a little differently, but ultimately, that's what they do. It's like two of them um, were introduced, a couple of them here, uh, as anticonvulsants, actually three. So divalproics, which is also valproate and valproic acid, they're all from the same compound, carbamazepine, and the lamictrazine. Excuse me. That's an easy one to say. Lamictal, let's just call it that. (laughs) That's Um, They all are, are anticonvulsants. So okay. again, with a seizure, you lower this, there's a seizure threshold. And so you, you want to keep this activity beneath that where you don't have, you know, that as a result. Sort of keep you from crossing the line right. that heads, exactly. heads in that direction. Correct. So uh, anyhow, they, they started out as that and they've been found to be effective in this realm. Okay. All much better. Okay. okay. Yeah. So again, so those were the four basic um Mood stabilizers, the lithium being the most common, we talked about that. Um, one of the things we, when we were touching on adherence, uh, you know, complying, this kind of thing, and, and trying to stay on the therapy, and uh, was that a lot of times you need to be knowing what's going on as far as side effects, what are some of the drawbacks of this, the risk benefit. A lot of times it is with this group of drugs, the person taking them needs to be committed and and really involved in this and have a good relationship that supports that. Um, so a lot of times, apparently, it's not, the reason for not adhering to the regimen is, is not necessarily the side effects, but we're going to cover side effects. When you say relationship, you're not talking about an interpersonal relationship. You're talking about a relationship with the medical provider. Correct. Absolutely. Okay. A professional relationship. Okay. You know, there's relationships besides... <laughs> well, I don't know. When you said relationship, I was thinking, no. would people maybe think, you know, a my boyfriend or, you know... <laughs> no, so no. I just okay, tried no. to, again, not medical people. Yeah. <laughs> Clarifying this business. Yeah, that, that's... Okay, that's a good point. Um, so let's just go through a couple... Some of the drawbacks... Some of the things you have to watch when a person might um, have an, a mood stabilizer. Yes. Okay. So when you say the things to watch out for, is this as the person taking the medication or yes. is this as the medical Yes, provider? absolutely. The person taking it, uh, obviously, mm-hmm. well, that should be obvious. That's what we're shooting for is that person being really involved with this. But the healthcare professional, whether it's your doc or any other person that's in a position to be prescribing these, mm-hmm. um, should, and I think will, be looking at what kind of precautions you would take. Let's start again with lithium. It's the old one. So it's eliminated through the kidney. Okay. So for people like that are older than 60, you kind of have to be cautious about that because their renal function starts to diminish a little bit. Okay. Um, it's It can cause diabetes insipidus. You know what that, that is? 
Well, that's when you have excessive urination. There's a number of hormones involved in that, anti-diuretic hormone, um, but it's not responsive to that. So the person isn't able to concentrate the urine, so there's excessive uh, urination, which is so you called- have to pee all the time. Yes. Let's <laughs> let's use a word for that, polyuria. Oh, wow. And that's what it is. That's fancy. That's fancy, but that's what it means. It's not, not fun, but fancy. Um, and then as a result of that, you get polydipsia. What in the world is that? Excessive thirst. Oh, that yeah. sounds awful too. Yeah, so both of them. And so about 20% of the people who are on lithium can experience this, and you have to try and manage it if it's being, if it's having a positive effect. Mm-hmm. Again, you get into risk-benefit here. Mm-hmm. Does the person Is the person motivated to tolerate this kind of stuff? Is it really worth it? You know, it's, it's, so it has to be back and forth with the um, healthcare provider, with the physician, about what do we do, like – to manage this um, diabetes insipidus, manage how much they drink. Because you, if you drink too much water, you can cause uh, hypervolemic uh, hyponatremia, which is a big fancy phrase for the concentration of salt in your blood is too low. Actually, it's the concentration of sodium in your blood that's too low. Excuse me. Okay. So you have to be careful about that because that can mm-hmm. cause some serious problems. Um and it's kind of weird, but they've used diuretics to sort of manage this. And I'm not exactly sure the mechanism of action. I know I use a that something to make you go counter when you're. I know, but I think that it's sort of taking it out of the body's responsibility and having this direct effect of the diuretic. I um, and that that's something that you would need to be aware of. Um, there's uh, if a if a woman's pregnant or thinking about becoming pregnant. The first three months in particular will be an issue with lithium, but she would then have to have this really discussion, this serious discussion with the doc about that. Sure. Um, and then, As with pretty much any medication absolutely. in the first trimester. Yeah, yeah, really any trimester, but the first in particular, mm-hmm. yeah. And um, that that's really a great point. Uh, and then the minor symptoms of toxicity, which again is when you're clinically seeing it, your blood level may correlate with that. Um, it's to give you some some idea where they're at. Wait. But to- yes. So toxicity is like too much of it. Yes, good that's thing. right. There's okay. symptoms that from like, oh, this is doing what it maybe it's doing what it's supposed to do, but you're also getting this other stuff. So you, a lot of times you can manage this by by adjusting the dose. So tremors, drowsiness, uh, vomiting, diarrhea, loss of appetite not not fun stuff. Uh, and but again, many times you can. You know, work with the physician, with your healthcare provider to to change the dose potentially. Mm-hmm. Maybe get the twice a day um, formulation of the lithobid, or excuse me, it's called lithobid mm-hmm. of the lithium carbonate. Um, so that's that's it for the lithium. Does that does that make sense to you? Yeah. So you're trying to hit that sweet spot where you're getting uh, help with the whatever the situation is, but not too much where it's causing other problems. That's right. And the situation is this, uh, you know, treating, getting too high and treating too low. So the mania and the depression. Um, I worked in psych a number of years ago and I used to call it kindling, which is if someone quickly goes to depression and then mania and depression. And there are a lot of criteria in the, in the DSM, this diagnostic statistical manual, geez, excuse me, um, that, we can't go into. So there are all these criteria that have to be met for how often the the, the severity of, of either of those. And that's 
that's what you're trying to treat with these okay. mood stabilizers. Okay. I still think that <laughs> mm-hmm. well, don't beat this too much, but mood stabilizers just not <laughs> enough. It doesn't sound serious enough. It's not clinical. I mean, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it feels like I'm having a bad day. Well, here's a mood stabilizer, yeah. but it's not like that. No. Um, you need more bass. You need more treble. I'm imagining the the sound keyboard thing. Yeah. So it's 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 when we talk about it in this casual sound it, sense, it sounds like something that you take it when you need it, but that's not what it is. You take it because you need it. Right. You know, so. Right. Um, okay, so let's, we'll move on to um, the valve. Oh, one more thing. Okay. I know I say this almost every time we talk, but is it, if you have decided to take this course of action, is it a good idea to sort of keep a little log of when you start, how much, how you're feeling, anything up, down, all around uh, information? Always. Always and all, all the time, and that's what one of my, um, you know, conclusion points. But I think, but I'm glad you bring it up because it's so important, and we can say it now and we can say it later. When you do that, you have an idea of what is actually, if you get what kind of effect you're getting from this medication, whether it's what we're talking about today with these mood stabilizers or any other medication, if you're monitoring. For side effects, for desired effects, this kind of thing. And what also you get out of that is you avoid the confusion that might occur where someone might think, oh, this is a symptom that we're having. If, 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 a, you, know, if you haven't revealed that you're on lithium and you go to a doc and you've got this fine motor tremor, um, there may be a, there might be a neurologic uh issue there in, in their minds. But if they, if they know, oh, on lithium, probably getting just a little too much, right. then it's not, you know, it's not a problem that has to go beyond looking at that level, adjusting and seeing. So right. it's so important. Well, and also, if if your listeners are like me, I get to the doctors and the doctor says, how have you been feeling? How are things going? All of those ideas about what's been happening since I've been taking whatever medication go right out of my head. And so if I keep a little log, just a a note every day, it's a lot easier to discuss that with my doctor than if I just wing it. Right. But don't let every day require, don't let that dissuade you from just doing it when you feel like you're noticing something. So the point is, when did you start it? How much was it? How are you taking it? (laughs) She's not, she's giving me a... Too much homework. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, All right. Then we go on to these other the anticonvulsants that have been that are being used um, as mood stabilizers. The valproic acid. You can have weight gain, GI disturbances, which is nausea and vomiting, vomiting, alopecia, losing hair, tremor, easy bruising, transaminitis, which is when enzymes go up and indicate that there's some inflammation uh, in the liver. Um, So you need to. Again, on a baseline level, before you get into this, make sure everything's okay, that your, that your liver enzymes are good going in. And then you have to keep following because with some of these things, with some serious toxicity, there can be encephalopathy and these kinds of things. So just knowing, and this one you just avoid in pregnancy, but just knowing that that, that you're on it, the physician knows, it on it, knows you're on it, and Monitor, monitor, monitor. Would, would typically your doctor order blood work going into this kind of um, medication? Yeah, there ha- there should be a physical exam 
and some baseline uh, blood levels to make to make sure that everything's good. That makes good sense. And so we have uh, also the carbamazepine, which is tegretol and nausea, vomiting, diarrhea. So you get these GI things. Uh, hyponatremia, which is what we talked about with low sodium. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then your skin. There could be a um, itchy skin or a rash. Um, and then there's neurologic things, which is you know the, your your brain, your mind. So it's headaches, dizziness, vision changes, lethar- lethargy, drowsiness. So would it be a good idea to know about these potential things? Absolutely. Yes. And not think, oh, my God, what is wrong with me? But rather, oh, this is very possibly and probably the med. And then right. you communicate with your healthcare people. Right. And use your pharmacist. Right? Right. And you know when you pick up uh, your medication, there's all those labels on there. Um I'm terrible. I don't read those labels um, usually. Um, but mo- would some of those medications that we just talked about have those kind of warning labels on there? They may, but you can only fit so many labels on a little bottle. <laughs> and then all you can see is your name. <laughs> so they they may be on there, but a lot of times it's about when to take it, any, any issues you might have with drinking and food and drowsiness. and So mm-hmm. you can't put everything on there. Mm-hmm. Um, then the last one's the Lamictal. Um, and it's similar to this carbamazepine. Um, one of the things with those two that you need to be aware of is what's called a, a, a Stevens-Johnson uh, syndrome, which is this rash that can occur and become very serious. So a person would just have to be aware of skin changes, new rashes, if they're on the carbamazepine or the lamictal. Just be aware of it. Sure. And I know this is a lot of information, so you know what you can do? Call your doctor, ask your pharmacist. Yes. Ask your, my, my answer was going to be your pharmacist. Um, they are there to help you with these kind of issues. So mm-hmm. if, you, if, if you're taking uh, carbamazepine and you start getting a rash, um, you can call and say, I just started this drug, you know, two weeks ago because you wrote it down. Yes. <laughs> and I've noticed this. Mm-hmm. And that pharmacist will be able to direct you uh, with with some advice, probably to hold the medication, call your doctor. Mm. It's a serious thing. Mm-hmm. And so are these other things. So that's the way to do this, to manage it. Mm-hmm. Um, and participate in what's, you know, uh, participate in, in the whole process. Yeah. So there are also, the, one, one more thing here, there are a number of drug-drug interactions with these with this group of drugs. Would that make sense? It does. Uh, well. Sort of. Yeah. So you, the drug-drug interactions, this just happens to have a number of them. So if you have a question about that, mm-hmm. if you get a new prescription for a mood stabilizer, it's okay if your doctor said, this is good for what you're on, and you go to your pharmacy, you can say, "Is uh, am I good with this? Do I have any drug-drug interactions? And if... He or she comes back and says, potentially you do. Then you may have a conversation that occurs between the physician and the pharmacist. So mm-hmm. it's all about getting involved with yes. this. If you're going to do it, you know, you're beyond, you're Engage. not only on the team, you are the head of this team. So, you know, you're taking this because you need it. And you're the one who's to, who, with your your physician, your loved ones, whoever, that, you know, this is what's, what's going on. So um, the drug interactions should be followed up. Um, you have any other? You have any other questions? I think I'm. I'm I think we're rounding out the corner here into being done. I don't right now. Okay, I think that we're pretty good. I I do feel that this one, this group of drugs, requires so much uh, 
in the way of just acknowledging what a person's situation is. I, I Here's what it is. Being alive is just kind of complicated. And day to day, you have a good day, you have a bad day. Well, this is not like this. This is very bad day or a day where you may be doing things that are they may be pleasurable in the moment, but they're going to cost you. And this is taking these excessive risks, being grandiose, this kind of thing. So it's mm-hmm. it's like, well, we all have ups and downs, but to have to be able to to acknowledge and work with a physician and determine this is too much. I'm too low. I'm too high. Mm-hmm. You know, the Buddhists will say take taking the reins is the key. Mm-hmm. So you get to where you're living, and you still have these experiences of joy. Mm-hmm. And where you're not quite at that same level of joy and happiness, but you're you're okay. Mm-hmm. So, um, just really uh, feel like you know people that that struggle with this just need the support um, and and understanding Absolutely. and mm-hmm. um, frankly love. <laughs> I was all those years mm-hmm. in, in psych. Um, you didn't hear about people uh, in the team saying, "Well, the person maybe needs more love," but I think that's always a good thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and any any health problem is to me is exacerbated if you feel like you're alone in it. Yeah, I think so too, Carol. Well, I certainly appreciate you. I appreciate you being here. Thank you, babe. <laughs> and I appreciate you listening. This has been and will be Druggist for the People. <laughs>